The song the choir is going to sing this morning is Trust in You by Lauren Daigle. Um, And we'd like to dedicate this to one of our faithful choir members who is not here today, Desiree Jones, who's just had surgery this week. Oh 
Thank you guys so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the beautiful music. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you that we could sing and pray and and talk with our children. But God, now we want you to talk to our hearts and minds. And God, I pray that you would help us to lay everything else aside in these moments ahead to hear what you have to say to us about the coming again of your son. And God, I just thank you for these who come so faithfully. And God, I pray that time would would never be wasted when we open the word of God. And by that, I mean that we would, we would listen to you, Father. We would let the Holy Spirit of God take the verses of Scripture that we read and study and God penetrate our hearts and minds. Lord, help us to believe that this is the inspired word of God, that you have given this book to us to know you better and to be equipped to serve you better and to be equipped to fight against all the wiles of Satan himself that our lights might shine for Jesus and that people would be brought into the kingdom of God because of the way that we follow your son. And God, I thank you for the hope we have as Christians that this life is not all there is, that beyond the trials and tribulations and even the joys and pleasures of this life is an eternity in which we will live with you forever because of what your son did for us on the cross. Thank you, Father, that when your son came back to heaven, he he began preparing places for us that where he is, we can be also. And God, as we await the return of your son, help us, Lord, that we will serve you. Help this not to be a joke or something that we think is silly or preposterous, but God, help us. Help us, Lord, that we would be waiting for the trumpet to sound and see your son face to face. Father, please bless us in these moments as we study the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me again read these verses, John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms or dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And listen to this, verse 3. When I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And what will he do? And will take you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. We're in preparation for looking at what the scripture says will take place before Jesus comes back again. And beginning two weeks from today, next, next Sunday is Joy Sunday, beginning two weeks from today, we're going to begin looking at what the Word of God says will happen prior to the second coming of His Son, Jesus Christ. But this morning, and we got started on this last week, I want to give you five reasons to believe that Jesus is coming again. And last week we looked at the first one, and the first thing that I think you and I should should have as a foundation for believing that Jesus Christ is coming again is that the entire Word of God is about 
God's holiness, man's sin, God's plan of redemption through his son, Jesus Christ, that includes Jesus' coming again. And I hope you remember, if you were here last week, that, that both in the Old Testament, not only does the Old Testament speak of the coming of the Savior, but also the day of the Lord, when in God's holiness, he will judge sin. And even Jesus himself emphasizes in the New Testament that he is coming again. He came the first time to die on the cross and to be our Savior. He's going to come the next time to take his church out of the world to be with him and to, to give a resurrected body to the souls or spirits that have already gone through death to the Heavenly Father. And you say, I don't understand that. Well, folks, let me tell you, that's why we're going to have these sermons, okay? And I pray that through God's word, these things will become clear to us. Last week, I read some passages of Scripture that tell us that God does not lie and will never lie. And I'm not going to read those again, but one other passage of Scripture that I wanted to read uh, about uh, the entire Word of God being about, about God's plan of redemption and Jesus coming back again. Just listen to these words. It's not going to be on the screen. These are an add-in, okay? But in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, just listen as I read these, okay? For Christ has entered not into a sanctuary made with hands, a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. That's a powerful, beautiful verse. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as a high priest enters a holy place yearly with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice for himself, of himself. Now what the writer is saying, Jesus came to die on the cross and he's done all of that. And that's historical. That has happened, whether mankind believes it or not. On the cross, as he shed his blood, his blood has been God's way of atoning for the sins of all of the world and those especially who will trust Christ as their Savior. But folks, the story doesn't stop there. Again, we've read Jesus has gone into heaven in the presence of God to appear on our behalf. But here's a verse that you'll you're familiar with. This is Hebrews 9:27. And just as it has been appointed for men to die once, after that comes judgment. We will stand before God. But listen to the next verse, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Now listen to this. Not to deal with sin, he dealt with sin on the cross but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Do you and I understand as Christians, all of us, every one of us, whether we're lost or saved, every one of us one day will stand before God. But the children of God have an appointment with the Savior when he comes back at the second coming. And we're going to start studying that in a couple of weeks. Just hold on to that thought. But now again, in our world today, there's so much doubt thrown out about this return of Christ. And here's the second reason that I want to point out that we can believe that Jesus is coming again. 
And that is to look at the very nature of Jesus himself as he is described in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because you see, just think for a moment, and and again, I'm just sharing some of my thoughts with you. Think for a moment of the things that Jesus promised and prophesied that would come true, and they did. You know, for him to just up and say, well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back for you. You know, if he hadn't backed it up with the life that he had lived, it would be a struggle for us to believe. But let me just give you some examples of things that Jesus said that he was going to do that he did. Listen to these. Mark chapter 10, verse 33 and 34, saying, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priest and to the scribes. They will condemn him to death, deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit upon him, scourge him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again, or he will rise. Now, folks, all of the gospel writers tell us that Jesus died on the cross unjustly, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, correct? All of the gospel writers tell us that. But Jesus promised these things would happen, and they did. Another example for me, and folks, you've heard me read these verses at practically every funeral that I've ever had a part in, but I want to read again John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus speaking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Now, folks, listen. Those could be empty words. If Jesus did not have the power to resurrect the dead, those would just be empty words. But as you read the Gospel of John, and you know this, as you read the rest of the story, look at these verses toward the end of chapter 11. Of the Gospel of John, verse 38 to 34. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Remember, that's how they encased the body. They would roll a stone over the, the opening of the cave. And listen to Mary's response. Or Martha. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always, but I've said this on account of the people standing by that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen at the rapture of the church. You remember there's going to be the trumpet blast. There's going to be the sound of the archangel of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Listen, God is in control. If Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, then he can and will and did do it. And when he called for Lazarus to come out, listen to this in verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. 
And folks, let me point something out that, that I, I just want you to know, okay? And again, th- there's a lot of things. Fran types this up on, on, on Friday mornings, and, and I give her what, I, you know, what I'm going to be reading. But, but yesterday, as I was reading again through this and, and looking at the Gospel of John, if you've got your Bible open to John 14, just flip back a page or two, okay, to John chapter 11, now, Jesus just doesn't up and turn and walk away, okay? I mean, the story continues. Listen to this, chapter 11, uh, verse, verse 53 and 54. Listen to this. So from that day, they took counsel how to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer went about openly among the Jews, but went from there to the country near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, And there he stayed with his disciples. Listen, because Jesus called Lazarus back to life. And if you go back, excuse me, I needed to read uh, verse 45 to 47 first. Look, John 11, verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and who had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them that what Jesus had did So the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do for this man performs many signs? And the word signs also could be interpreted miracles. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make, folks. Jesus did all of this and the people still would not believe. And his word began to circulate. And, you know, somebody who's an unbeliever might ask this question. Well, how can you prove this, that this man Lazarus came back to life? Now, remember, he's been dead four days. They've already buried him. If you go over to chapter 12, listen to this in verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom whom Jesus has raised from the dead, in verse 2, there made him there a supper. Martha served. Lazarus was with those at table with him. Now listen to this, folks. If Jesus had raised someone from the dead in your family, wouldn't you want to have a celebration? And folks, listen. Not You know, I, I believe this happened, folks. I really, truly do. And I believe that Mary and Martha are so overcome with joy and appreciation of the Savior that they plan a party for Jesus to honor him and to thank him for what he has done for their brother. I'm not going to read all of this story. This is where, where Mary takes the ointment and, and wipes the feet of Jesus with her hair. She is so overcome with appreciation and thanksgiving for the Lord. But look down at chapter 12, verse 9. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Over and over, John is saying, this was an actual event, folks. Jesus told them he was the resurrection and the life, and he proved that he is the resurrection and the life. But listen to this in verse 10. So the chief priest planned to put Lazarus also to death. Had you ever noticed that passage of Scripture? They're going to send a hitman out on Lazarus because Lazarus is evidence that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And folks, 
Here's what I'm building toward. If Jesus said he's going to do it, he'll do it. And if Jesus said, I'm going to come back, you better get ready. He's coming back, folks. I am convinced of that. And I'm saying that this is one of the most important things about believing in the second coming. And, and, and before I get away from John chapter 12, look at verse 11. They're going to put Lazarus also to death because on account of, of him, many of Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. These people began to see the power of Jesus Christ. But listen, the religious crowd, the chief priests, the scribes, they were kind of like the fake news of our day. Excuse me, I'm not getting political here, all right? But look, everything that Jesus was saying, they're putting it down. That's a lie. That's untrue. Can't be done. But you know, actually in the gospel, Jesus raised, there's at least three, and you've heard me say this, I know that, I'm repeating myself. There's at least three places where Jesus raised people from the dead. You remember Jairus' daughter, the widow's son in Nain, and here, Lazarus? Folks, how much does the Lord have to do to prove to some people who he is and what he can do? Well, folks, with this in mind, that's why it's so important to look at John 14, these first three verses. Jesus has already done these things that he said he could do. And, you know, if you just jump right in, somebody could say, I don't believe that John 14 stuff. Well, that's fine. You have that freedom. But listen to what Jesus is doing in these verses. He's preparing the disciples for his death, for his burial, for his resurrection and departure back to the Father. The disciples don't understand, so in verse 36 of chapter 13, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And that's a good question, isn't it? Well, Jesus, if you're going to leave us, where are you going to go? And what does he say? I'm going back to my father. And I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, just think about these words. Folks, there's not enough time for me to, to go through all of this. And, and I, I just want to, let me just say a couple more things today, okay? Peter and the other disciples, and you and I, Christians of every generation, we need to listen to these promises of the Lord found in these verses. Jesus says in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. And think about how troubled these disciples were. Judas had betrayed Jesus. Jesus has told Peter that he would deny him and all the other disciples would also scatter. Jesus had told them, I'll be taken, I'll be tried, I'll be abused, I'll be killed, I'll be buried. But praise God, on the third day I'm going to rise again. And let me ask you something. If we would have been there with Jesus at night, being one of the 11, because Judas has already left, would we have believed that Jesus would have come back to life after all these things? Folks, let's talk about being human for just a second. Our human nature is to doubt something that we cannot understand, isn't it? I mean, it really is. And, and you know, I, sometimes I, I, I get angry with myself Because you see, if God says he can do something, if his son says that he can do something, he can do it. And that's what we need to get back to in preparation. And all these sermons have been about preparing us to hear what Jesus uh, is going to say. And folks, when we begin to read from Paul about Jesus uh, descending in the air, 
in calling the church up to be with him, calling the church out of this world, what we call the rapture. You know, you can say, man, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. Well, that's the truth, ain't it? I ain't either, but I believe it's coming, y'all. Look, let me, let, me just, uh, let me just close it up, okay, for just because I, I promise you I'm going to try and, 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 and stay within the time limits. But I want to share something with you, okay? I, I want you to think for just a second of the impact of the promise of Jesus' return on the hearts and lives of people that you know and that have played a part in Christianity, as I was reading um, two stories, let me tell you that I've got them in beta. Somebody was having surgery Thursday at North Carolina Specialties Hospital, and I got the Durham late that day. And, and uh, I went up to the information desk, and I told them the person, I gave them their name, and they said, we don't have that person listed. Y'all know what I'm headed toward. If you don't have the first name, I had to have the middle name. And it took me about 15 minutes to make phone calls back to Roxburgh to get the, the first name of the person. And obviously the receptionist, the man that was working at the desk, he could see the struggle I was in to find out that man's first name. When I went back and had the right name, he looked at me and smiled, and he said, you know, it's kind of like standing at the gates of heaven, isn't it? He knew I was a preacher boy. He was, he was he's playing in my ball field when he started talking that. And he looked at me and he said, if your name's not written in the book of life, you're not getting in, are you? Folks, you remember we talked about that, the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If it is, you're safe. He knows you. But here's the story that I wanted to tell you. Uh, As I was thinking about Jesus coming back and about people that die being safe in Jesus, I thought about that song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. I know that's an old hymn. Somebody gave me years ago this book, It's Then Sings My Soul, and it gives an introduction to the hymns that we sing so often. And so I flipped through to Safe in the Arms of Jesus. You know who wrote that? Fanny Crosby. Let me just read a little bit about her life. On March the 5th, 1858, Fanny Crosby, the blind hymnist and America's queen of gospel song, quietly married Alexander Van Alstine. A year later, the couple suffered a tragedy that shook the deepest shook the deepest regions of Fanny's heart. She gave birth to a child. No one knows if it was a boy or a girl. In later years, she never spoke about it except to say in her biography, God gave us a tender baby, and soon the angels came down and took our infant up to God and his throne. Ten years after that, a man named Howard Doan, who had been a friend of Fanny Crosby, who had, who had written music to many of her hymns, knocked on her door and said, I have exactly 40 minutes before I must meet a train in Cincinnati. I have a tune for you to hear. See if it says anything to you. Now, remember again, she's blind. Perhaps you can commit this tune to memory and then compose a, a poem or words to match a song. 
When she heard the song, Fanny Crosby clapped her hands and said, Why, that says, safe in the arms of Jesus. You see, since she had lost that child, she knew that that child was safe in the arms of Jesus. And there was a stirring in her soul for those 10 years to have a song that would celebrate that when our loved ones die, they're safe in the arms of Jesus. And when that man played that music, she already knew that was the music for that song. Now, some of, some of you that are younger, perhaps you haven't heard this too often, but just let me read one stanza. Stay safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast. Thereby his love or shattered, sweetly my soul shall rest. Hark, tis the voice of angels born in a song to me over the fields of glory, over the jasper sea. And folks, Fanny Crosby, and I did not know this, wrote over 8,000 hymns. Can you imagine that? And let me name some of the hymns that you and I would know. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Jesus is tenderly calling you home. Praise him, praise him. To God be the glory. Did you know she wrote those songs? Blind, could not see, but she knew the glory of God. Rescue the perishing. Why should we rescue the perishing? Because one day everyone will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is glory to to, uh, Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Why am I saying all this? Folks, I want you to know there is a foundation for us to believe in the coming again of Jesus Christ. And and let me say this, and I'm I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, that as a Christian, if you don't believe that Jesus is coming back, you're missing in on one of the thrills of living this life for Jesus, knowing that he's coming back. And knowing that any time we're instrumental in witnessing to a person, and that person comes to faith in Christ, we can rejoice. We've had a part in the kingdom of God, and a part in someone eternally coming to know the Savior of the world. Folks, there's so much to get excited about in these passages of Scripture. Thank you for listening. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, please, please speak to our hearts and assure us that this is no myth, this is not a religious story, that one day, and it might not be in our lifetime, it might be a bazillion years from now, but Jesus is coming back, and when he does, he's going to take us home to the place he has prepared for us. And God, as we struggle daily with whether or not living the Christian life is worth it, whether or not it is spending time with you and and prayer and Bible study and coming to church and, and trying to do the right and godly things. God, thank you that one day we'll know that it was worth it because one day we'll see our Savior face to face. Oh God, whatever trial or tribulation that we're undergoing right now, may we know that it will be worth it as Jesus purifies us so that our lives will shine even brighter in witness for him. God, help us to see 
that it is important that this church, that every church take a stand, that we stand upon the word of God, we stand upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we be busy living it, sharing it, showing forth the good news to not only this community but around the world, Father. God, thank you. Thank you again that you love us and that we know your son and that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And you don't have to guess at who we are because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And Jesus is even in heaven right now appearing on our behalf. God, we just praise you and we thank you for this precious truth that you're going to send your son back. Help us, Lord, to be ready and help us to be working until Jesus comes again. For we ask in his name. Amen. Our hymn today of invitation is number 607. What a day that will be. God is leading you to make any type of public decision. Would you, would you come? Let us stand together. Thank you.